0: The following podcast is brought to you by The Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagesendo.org. Good morning. My name is Bokshu. And recently... I was asking someone how they were, and they said that they weren't doing too well, that they were upset because of the war, and um, with some irony I asked them, which one? Because we have more than one right now, more than one major war going on in case you haven't been counting this is day 625 of the Russia-Ukraine conflict and over those 625 days there have been an estimated 200,000 deaths and it's day 35 of the Israeli Hamas slash Gaza, define that as you wish, conflict, and there are an estimated 15,000 deaths over that span of time. These numbers of course, these casualty numbers, are completely made up. No one actually knows how many people have died let alone how many people have been injured and displaced because of these conflicts. I'm sorry, I'm really having a challenge with this thing. It it doesn't want to stay near me, It's, it's upset with what I'm talking about, I think, does it? I really appreciate it. Thank you. This ear thing is the bane of my existence, and everyone else's. Uh, That'd be a great idea. I didn't think of that. Okay. Good. How is that? Thank you. Much better. Thank you very much. So, as I said, these casualty figures are guesses. And i think that's one of the most scandalous aspects of this whole thing is that we don't even know how many people have died and been wounded and displaced in these conflicts and perhaps like me you find it jarring to open the newspaper and to see images of whole towns reduced to rubble a pile of smoking ruins pictures that could have been captured in World War II, that are very reminiscent of what we've seen in archival photos from that time, but that were taken yesterday. And perhaps like me, you found it jarring to see pictures of roadways filled with people fleeing their homes with nothing more than the clothes on their backs sometimes not even taking the time to bring essential medicines with them in their flight from the incredible dangers that awaited them at home. They've lost everything and they are neither injured nor dead. So the damage is incalculable. And it's jarring, too, to see these images in the comfort of our homes, and perhaps like my home, your home has everything you need in abundance and consistently, something we could easily take for granted, right? Food, water, warm clothing, shelter. These things are not to be taken for granted. Because millions of people don't have them right now because of wars that are going on i don't want to say for no reason there's always a reason for it according to those who conduct them but they're certainly optional let's say there's other options than war and so you might ask like i do How is this even possible? How is it even acceptable in this day and age that this stuff should be going on at this point in the development? That's what we call it, the development of our species. How could this be happening now? Remembering all the previous conflicts all the wars throughout all space and time, you might be forgiven for asking yourself, is this the best we can do? But when you look at the preparation, the effort, and the expense that has gone into these wars, it is actually legitimate to answer the question by saying, yes, apparently this is the best we can do. Because look at the effort, the expense, and the preparation that has gone into these wars. You can't say they're not trying hard enough, can you? But whether you think it's the best that we can do or the worst that that we can do, this is what a large number of people are actually doing right now and what they've done throughout history and so i think the question that's pertinent today is why i'm having a war with my microphone why is this, the way things go all too often with human beings. A couple of weeks ago I was watching an interview Dick Cavett um, conducted of Roman Polanski in 1971. I was watching it because I'd seen his movie The Pianist, which won an Oscar, I'd never seen that movie before, and I've been a, an admirer of Polanski's work for quite a while, so I was interested to watch this interview, and in this interview, at a certain point, Polanski, who you may know as Jewish, and who grew up in Poland uh, during World War II, uh, was recounting the horrific ordeal that he suffered during the Nazi occupation, as a child in Poland, and among the things he said, Was this. Throughout the war, I ate boiled flour, with some milk sometimes, for three years, and I thought that was the normal food. I wasn't particularly unhappy about this part of it. I know now. That people kill and do wars because they like it. This is the thing we have to face. That's part of human nature. That's evolutionary. We are built this way. And there is the other part of human beings, the civilized mind, which rebels against this thing. But this inherent... There would not be wars if people didn't want wars. People enjoy killing. People enjoy fighting. Feel free to disagree with Polanski's bleak assessment of human nature. But from my perspective, recent events seem rather to confirm than refute what he said 53 years ago. And if you disagree, how do you explain the persistence of war you might say as i do i don't enjoy fighting let alone killing i don't want there to be wars going on but apparently a large number of people do enjoy fighting and killing because as polanski said if they disapproved it would stop And even if you don't wish to fight or kill other people, please remember that many of those who are doing the fighting and killing, if they were sitting calmly and quietly here in the village Zendo would say themselves that they do not like fighting and killing. Are we really so different from those who are doing fighting and killing. Instead of distancing ourselves from these wars and the people responsible for them, as we understandably prefer to do, rather than separating from what's going on, can we notice the underlying pattern to these conflicts and our own participation in that pattern. This is exactly what Zen practice calls upon us to do. This is the work that we're here for today. All of us. So let's notice the pattern. War always involves an us versus a them combined with the idea that the us is superior, morally and otherwise, to the them. And actually it's two us's and two them's because each side is an us, and for the other side, each side is a them. So in a way, and I'm sure they would not be happy to hear this, both sides are exactly equivalent If we're not direct participants in the war we certainly have opinions about the war opinions about which side is right and which side is wrong about which side is righteous and which side is not righteous so even though we are not directly involved in the conflict we too can enjoy a feeling of moral superiority and righteousness at a safe and comfortable distance. This illusion of moral superiority reminds me of a quote from the Japanese author Yukio Mishima. Everyone likes to watch a fire, but those who watch it from a terrace are no better than those who watch it from the street. The world Is burning. What is your position? Terrace or street? I imagine myself on a terrace. But in fact, I too am on the street, pretending I know how things ought to be, trying to convince anyone who will listen that my understanding and experience are superior. Just like right now. Yeah. But is anyone's understanding and perspective superior? How should we go about our lives in this burning world at this time? We could discuss this topic for quite a while, But instead, let's examine a koan that discusses discussing. It's Book of Serenity, Case 12, Dizong, Planting the Fields. And it goes like this. Dizong asked Zushan, where have you come from? Zushan said, from the south. Dizong said, How is Buddhism in the South these days? Zushan said, there's extensive discussion. Dizong said, how can that compare to me here planting the fields and making rice to eat? Zushan said, what can you do about the world," Dizong said, what do you call the world? So this koan really packs a punch. Those last two lines always really grab me by the throat. The backstory here is that Zushan was on a pilgrimage with three other important monks, including Fayan, who is a great teacher. And rain and snow forced them to take shelter at Zizong's temple, where they proceeded to ignore and disrespect him. So, even though he was left out of the fun, he decided to make a little fun of his own. So he went over to them and he engaged them in dialogue and quickly learned that they had their heads up their asses and knew nothing about Zen at all. It's amazing how people can ignore the truth right in front of them. So this man, who uh, who is in this koan, was especially ignorant and disrespectful, saying of Dizong when Dizong had left, are there any elephant tusks in a rat's mouth, it's a pretty good line, pretty nasty, but you can almost imagine this sort of line being said by someone in Russia about someone in Ukraine, can't you? Or by someone in Israel about someone in Gaza, or vice versa. Are there any elephant tusks in a rat's mouth? What a put down. This is the kind of put down that starts wars. This is a kind of put down that perpetuates wars this kind of disrespect of one human being for another. And exactly in this case, the very human being who could rip the blindness out of the eyes of the person speaking. But Zushan was too dense to know how dense he was. I'm pretty sure I've done something similar at one point or another in my 60 years on this planet, what about you? Have you ever looked a gift horse in the mouth? Have you ever missed the elephant tusks in the rat's mouth? So Dizong's question, how can that compare to me planting the fields and making rice to eat, reminded me of a verse by Lehman Pang, after he was enlightened by Chito. My daily activities are not unusual. I'm just naturally in harmony with them, grasping nothing, discarding nothing. In every place there's no hindrance, no conflict. Who assigns the rank of vermilion and purple? The hills and mountains last speck of dust is extinguished. Supernatural power and marvelous activity, drawing water and carrying firewood. What can we do about the world? And what do we call the world? We can learn to tolerate ourselves and each other. How about that for a start? And I want to underscore that tolerate does not mean like we can learn to tolerate not liking things, not being satisfied with things. We always think that when we're dissatisfied with things, that the things must change, and that we somehow should remain unchanged. But the option, the better option, and the one we never pay attention to, is that we can change. We can change our perspective. Pox on this thing. I think I remember when um, Oscar Wilde was dying. He said he he was fighting a duel to the death with the wallpaper of the room he was in. That's what I feel like with this thing. We can change. This is driving me crazy and I'm just learning to live with it, what else can I do but learn to live with it? And to live with the embarrassment I feel that this thing is floating all over my face and ear, messing up my grandiose talk. Here I want to come riding on a big horse to save the world, and I'm wrestling with a microphone. So can we learn to tolerate ourselves and each other? Maybe one person's story can illuminate the importance of this work for all of us. Maybe you're like me in 200,000 deaths and countless injuries are beyond your comprehension. You cannot grasp it. You cannot feel it. You feel it in a very abstract, distant way. Maybe one person can make a difference. So let me tell you a little about one person. F.L. Bubba Copeland, 49 years old, of Phoenix City First Baptist Church, where he was a pastor, and seven years a mayor of Smith Station, Alabama, who committed suicide on Friday, November 3rd, two days after an expose was published on a conservative news site called 1819 News. I have no idea what the significance of that year might be, or that number might be, I'm sure there's something clever behind the number 1819. The exposé showed pictures of Mr. Copeland in drag and revealed that he wrote X-rated stories that sometimes use the names, details, and perhaps even the photos of real people he was acquainted with without their permission. Two days after he was outed, actually no, sorry, the day he was outed, Bubba Copeland gave a brief sermon at Phoenix City First Baptist Church, where he said, I have nothing to be ashamed of. He said that he would be at church the following Sunday. That's a week ago, tomorrow. But by then he had been dead for two days. Somewhere around 4.30 p.m. on Friday, he was driving on the 1300 block of Lee Road 275, trailed by sheriff's deputies, when he pulled over, stepped out of his SUV, and used a handgun to kill himself there and then. He left behind his mother, Cora, his father, Fred, his wife, Angela, his son, Carter, his two daughters, Abby and Allie, and numerous other relatives and friends. So can you multiply the tragedy of Bubba Copeland by 15,000? Can you multiply that tragedy by 200,000? Can you multiply it by all those who have been dead and wounded in wars throughout all space and time? Whether it's one, 15,000, or 200,000 people, the death of a human being at his own hand, or at the hands of others, is an unmitigated tragedy. And we should not tolerate these tragedies. I may not have cheered you up today. That was never my intention. But I hope that I've given you an appreciation of the amazingly high stakes of what we are engaged in here this work here today is a matter of life and death i'd like to close by reading a passage from our summer Ango study text the mountains and waters sutra part 11 water is neither strong nor weak neither wet nor dry neither moving nor still neither cold nor hot neither existent nor non-existent neither deluded nor enlightened When water solidifies it is harder than a diamond. Who can crack it? When water melts, it is gentler than milk. Who can destroy it? Do not doubt that these are the characteristics water manifests. You should reflect on the moment when you see the water of the ten directions as the water of the ten directions. This is not just studying the moment when human and heavenly beings see water. This is studying the moment when water sees water. This is a complete understanding. You should go forward and backward and leap beyond the vital path Where other fathoms other. Thank you.